Welcome to another dynamic word from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. We're going to be opening up our Bibles tonight uh, uh, in just a little bit to the book of Ruth. We will uh, share one scripture before we get there, and we're continuing uh, in, in, in our series. So, are you ready for the Word? All right. Uh, tonight, we're continuing in our series, Women, the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Wow. Uh, you know, uh, and, and tonight, part three, soft answers. Soft answers. What in the world does that mean? You'll find out more about that in a little while. But suffice it to say that we're still talking about good women because good women are everywhere. I, I mean, I, I, you just don't run out of good women, okay? The Bible is so full of good women, and indeed all around us, uh, we are so blessed with good women. In my life, I have been blessed with good women, and it's just amazing, uh, you know. Uh, uh, and, and so here we are again uh, tonight talking about, uh, you know, uh, some good women and specifically a good woman. Before we uh, go to our text tonight in Ruth, let me read from Proverbs 15 and verse 1. The Bible says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stir up anger. You and I both know that. A soft answer turns away wrath. Now, this is King Solomon giving us an inspired word from God, the wisest man who ever lived, in his observance of life and in his understanding what the Spirit of God would be saying to us, gave us this truth that a soft answer will turn away wrath. People will, will, will find themselves being emptied of wrath with a soft answer but a harsh word stirs up anger now no study by the way of, of women of the Bible would be, would would be complete without including uh, the lives of Ruth Esther and Mary the mother of Jesus okay these are just three uh, exemplary women in the Word of God and these women were like most good women uh, they, 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 they were phenomenal just phenomenal and uh, uh, next in our series tonight, we're going to take a closer look at, at one of these um, three women tonight. And, and I hope to conclude the other two next week, uh, but I couldn't get them all into one night. And we're going to discover um, what these women gave, what these women lost, and what these women gained. What they gave, what they lost, what they gained by deciding to follow God's plan for their life uh, by deciding to follow what God wanted for their life instead of what they wanted for their own lives. You know, uh, sometimes whenever, you know, we start following what we want, we can get deceived and get off track and get, you know, uh, uh, get, uh, get, you know, away from what God wants and it can end up costing us. But sometimes it also costs us to follow the will of God. And tonight we're going to look at what women gave, what they lost, and what they gained by following the will of God for their life. And, you know, the Bible says that, that, that the gospel that we preach is a deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him gospel. It's not an American dream theology of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's America. That's our Constitution. That's okay. 
life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Everybody would love for the Bible to read that way, but we don't read the Bible that way. We read a Bible that says sometimes it might cost you to do the will of God. Sometimes you might have to give up something. Sometimes you might even have to you know, lose something, but you can never lose more than you gain by doing the will of God. And you can never uh, uh, you know, uh, get from your own adventures what you can get from simply following God. And so tonight, uh, we're going to briefly, as we survey the life of Ruth, we're going to first read a passage. Let me ask you, instead of Ruth, would you turn to 1 Peter if you're following along in your Bible? I'm going to read from 1 Peter. I'm reading from the New Living Translation before we get to Ruth. But uh, I want to read uh, a, 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 just a short passage in 1 Peter as though it was an actual word from God. That's supposed to be funny. I'm going to read this passage as though it were an actual word from God. Okay? Uh, and it deals with wives and women, which we are talking about. But please follow along with me. Okay? There's no reason for giving uh, Peter a bad reputation here. Right? He is uh, writing under the inspiration of God, and he's writing for a reason. He says in verse 1, New Living Translation, In the same way, you wives must accept the authority of your husbands. Then even if some refuse to obey the good news, your godly lives will speak to them without any words. They will be won over by observing your pure and reverent lives. Now, I know that that seems so out of character with today and with society and with what is being taught and there have been so many abuses of authority and so many abuses of power so many abuses of influence in days gone by that it is hard in the American dream theology and definitely in a western world of, 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 of promoted church to even imagine that could be an actual word from God but but this puts God in a driver's seat and God does not legislate toward the infractions god does not speak he does not legislate uh, uh, in in light of problems that might be caused by people abusing his word if you abuse the word of god the word of god remains the word of god you're just an abuser hello but it does not change the word of god nor does it change his commitment to his word so uh, verse 4, uh, still uh, verse 3 rather, uh, don't be concerned about the outward beauty of fancy hairstyles, expensive jewelry, or beautiful clothes. Now, uh, the, the, the King James, New King James says, you know, uh, don't, don't be merely concerned. The implication of this scripture means that's not the only thing or the primary thing you should be worried about is the way you look in an outward appearance. And, but it doesn't say don't, don't do anything about the outward appearance, okay? <laughs> let's, let's bear in mind, okay, uh, that that's not what he's talking about. That's not supported in Scripture. Uh, you know, um, um, uh, Jesus in, in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 talked about the lilies of the field. And he said, you know, take no thought thereof what you should eat or drink. He's talking about don't take any anxious thought about it. He didn't say don't eat and don't drink and don't put on any clothes. That's not what he said. And here they're not saying don't put on some nice clothes and don't look good and don't fix yourself up. He's not talking about it. He is, however, talking about that not being the only thing that you're paying attention to, ladies, in your life is some outward beauty uh, and beautiful clothes. Verse 4, you should clothe yourselves instead or first or primarily 
uh, paying greater attention with the beauty that comes from within, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. This is how the holy women of old made themselves beautiful. I guess that's back before, um, you know, uh, uh, makeup. I don't know. Uh, they trusted God and they accepted the authority of their husbands. For instance, for example, Sarah obeyed her husband Abraham and called him her master. You are her daughters when you do what is right without fear of what your husbands might do. Boy, that is loaded up with all kinds of, of, of revelation. Without being afraid that if you, if, if you happen to you know, agree, then all of a sudden they're going to go off and buy a new boat. Okay? You know I mean, y'all, y'all know what I'm saying? It's not, it's uh, without fear of being abused, without fear of being misused, without fear. You know, this does put God in the driver's seat. And he doesn't leave uh, the, the husbands out, by the way. Okay, there are, there are plenty of passages for husbands, plenty of passages for men, plenty of passages for children, plenty of passages for bosses, for supervisors, and for employees. All right, uh, uh, and remember, uh, uh, this, is, this is what we're, we're, we're talking about women tonight. But let me throw this in there in verse 7 just to bring a balance, guys. Um, in the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be, maybe not, maybe she's not. She may be weaker, maybe she's not. You know, uh, the, the first person to ever knock me out was my wife. She hit me in the head with a bottle and knocked me slap out. I aggravated her one time too much. She hit me right here with a bottle. Oh, I had a big old, when I came to, I had a big old knot on my head, and we had to go to a wedding that night. We'd been married about three weeks. So she may be weaker than you are, but she may not be. But she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. That's what I was talking about earlier. You know, we need to, you know... You know, be in fellowship, relationship with God and others because our prayers can be hindered out of, uh, out, out of unright relationships. Well, can you imagine what your world or even the world would be like if, uh, if men and women who wish to be husbands and wives, uh, the husbands and wives God intended, if they followed these instructions as though it were a real word from God? Wow. And, you know, we can't say, well, I'm not doing my part because they didn't do their part. I'm sorry. You know, relationships like this are not a 50-50. It's 100%, 100%. You are 100% responsible to do what God's called you to do with or without, you know, respect as to what the other person does. However, let me speak just a moment to abuse. If you are in an abusive relationship, physical, mental, emotional, that is just tearing you down and destroying you, listen, let me encourage you from a preacher, from a pastor, from a man of God get safe okay remove yourself from danger get safe get help okay uh, this is no way intended to speak to someone in an abusive relationship that is being you know physically and mentally destroyed okay that is not the will of god uh, but now don't abuse the word abuse okay it's not abuse because you know she won't let you buy a boat or he won't you know uh, he don't like the shoes you're wearing, okay? That's not what I'm talking about. Am I making myself fairly uh, understandable? I can't, I can't legislate to every, you know, uh, foul action of some other person. But 
Uh, I do want you to know that this is not this word should not be construed nor any word of God in the New Testament should be construed to mean that you should be taking a beating in your relationship. Um, okay, hello. Thank you. Okay, uh, get uh, uh, get safe. Get help. Get safe. Get help. Okay, you can believe God uh, for restoration and healing without you know uh, getting hit in the head with the bottle again <laughs> well hey listen uh, <laughs> uh, you know I think when we obey God it's an awesome thing because it puts God in the driver's seat it makes God responsible for the outcome and uh, um, uh, you know uh, just like it did in the lives of so many women in the Bible one of which uh, as I said is tonight's focus uh, and, and, and as we look at the life of Ruth uh, even before she was married okay we note that she was building a relationship and making a long-term impact the impact that God had planned for her life and for her future Let's read Ruth 1 in verse 1. Uh, now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled. That was about the 15th century B.C. Now, uh, at this particular point. Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to dwell in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. Now, no one at that time imagined what God was doing. You know, no one imagined that God was using the trouble of that day to, to set up a very pivotal point of his plan for mankind. No one imagined. I mean, you can't look at a famine, and the famine may have been caused uh, 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 you know, during the, during the days of Gideon, it may have been caused even by raiders who were coming in and raiding and taking away the food. But there was a lack of food. It doesn't necessarily mean that there was a drought. It means that there was no food anywhere to be had. And so here Elimelech and his wife and took his wife and two sons and moved to another country without realizing that God was using what was going on around them and using the circumstances and situations of their world, using uh, even the difficulties and disappointments and, and, and tragedy and trauma and drama of their moment to set something up for a greater plan he had in mind that they knew nothing about. Many times we do not know what is going on in God's plan we can only see what's going on in our world but believe you me God is using everything that happens to bring about his plan on planet earth and even when we just like the song says even when we don't feel it he's working he never stops he never stops working even when we don't see it even when we don't know it even when we don't feel it God is working the story of Ruth who was a Moabitess it details her journey from marriage she married into an immigrant family from a foreign country interesting huh she married uh, she married what word would have been perhaps in that day uh, a legal or illegal immigrant Okay, and uh, she married, I'm, I'm, I'm certain that wasn't the most popular thing to do. And then uh, for 10 years of marriage to him, 
They went through the death of, of, of his uh, of father and also, you know, the widowhood of, of, of her husband's mother. And then her brother-in-law died. And then her husband died. And for 10 years of their marriage, uh, she was barren and had no children. She went through, uh, you know, a, 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 an indigent time of widowhood. She also went through... Um, traveling to a, to a new land, to the land of Israel, with her poor mother-in-law. And, and she also went through a season of hard work where she was obliged to go out into the fields and, and be a reaper. After the reapers had already reaped the field, she had to pick up what was on the ground or in the corners and, and uh, gathering what was left behind so that she and her mother-in-law, Naomi, could just eat for that day. And normally, we understand she got enough food for that day and that day alone. Ruth was committed and Ruth was submitted. She softly, if you'll read the passage that is very familiar and is you know, often spoken in weddings, entreat me not to leave you nor to, you know, to return from following after you. You know, for whether you go, I will go, and whether you lodge, I will lodge, and your people shall be my people, and your God shall be my God, and wherever you die, there will I die and be buried. So help me, you know, God. If I do anything but that. She was entreating. She was begging. She was asking. She was softly making a request. Please don't ask me to leave you, mother-in-law. Please let me go with you. You can read about that in Ruth, um, the first chapter. Uh, um, uh, but, uh, and she went with her mother-in-law. She worked hard in a foreign country with no hope of a future. She was a Moabitess. She was looked down upon by the, by the uh, community and culture, culturally looked down upon. But here she continued to serve, not knowing what God was doing in her life. And then her mother-in-law, Naomi, came to her and asked her to offer herself as a wife to a wealthy relative named Boaz. Ruth obeyed her mother-in-law to the you know nth degree every detail and um, she followed Naomi's instructions I encourage you to read the whole book of Ruth but uh, we get to chapter 3 there's only four chapters we get to chapter 3 and uh, um, allow me tonight to bring about a little conclusion uh, to our points tonight uh, about this good woman she's a good woman she had a difficult time and she did something that was even questionable. You can read about it. She went to the, to the, to the place where there was you know, a, 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 a party going on. And people were drinking. And she went and laid down at the feet of, of this man that her mother-in-law told her to, to go and offer herself to. And there, you know, in the nighttime, he woke up. You know, and and uh, he saw her there laying at his feet. And you know, uh, uh, you know it, uh, there, there are a lot of ways this could have gone. Uh, but here she is, humbly, you know, offering herself. And uh, uh, here, uh, let's see what Boaz said about this woman before he had thought of marrying her, before they were, you know, engaged. Ruth chapter 3, when he, when he wakes up and sees this woman at his feet, laying at his feet in the middle of the night, you know, all the party and all the drinking, everything going on. And Boaz said to Ruth, Who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, 
your maidservant, your servant. Take your maidservant under your wing, for you are a close relative. You know, the King James Version says, you know, throw uh, your skirt over me. Throw your blanket over me. You know, take, you know, uh, uh, take me under your wing. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Blessed are you of the Lord, my daughter. For you have shown more kindness at the end than at the beginning, in that you did not go after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you request. For all the people of my town know that you are a virtuous woman. Now, it was the hardworking, humble, submissive, gentle, soft spirit displayed by Ruth that served to impress not only Boaz, but it served to impress, evidently, the whole town. She had an honorable reputation. You may know the rest of the story. Boaz and Ruth, they eventually got married. Ruth, who had been barren for 10 years in a previous relationship, now became pregnant and had a son named Obed. You can read about it in chapter 4. Obed had a son named Jesse, and Jesse had a son named David, who became King David. I would not think that God would have chosen Ruth to be the great-grandmother of Jesus if I were looking at things from a carnal human perspective. But he did. You see, number one, Ruth gave a lot. Ruth gave all that she had. Ruth gave herself. Okay? I mean, you can't give more than giving yourself. She gave herself to her marriage, gave herself to her mother-in-law, gave herself to her widowhood. She gave herself to, to gleaning in the fields. She gave herself to, to making a living for her motherhood. She gave herself to traveling back, you know, to, 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 to a foreign land. She gave herself to a future that was no future at all. She gave everything. She gave herself to Boaz. She gave herself because she was the kind and the type of woman that gave everything she had. She gave it all. She gave a lot. Number two, Ruth lost a lot. In life, Ruth lost a husband. She lost a family. She lost friends. Okay, now, go with me on this, okay? She lost security. I mean, she lost her home. She lost the comforts of, 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 of a home and a homeland and a, and, and, and a future she would have in Moab. Can you imagine the various narratives that others told about her? Follow me on this truth if you would. Depending on who tells the narrative, a person can be portrayed as a villain or a victim. 
They can be portrayed as virtuous or villainous. Depends on who's telling the story. Let me say that again. Depending on who is telling the story, any person can be portrayed as a villain or a victim, as a hero or a zero. If I talk to some people who know something about you and they only tell me something about you because they don't like you, they will portray you as a villain. But yet, some of the other people that know you will portray you as a, you know, hero or as a victim. Everyone, everyone is a victim and a villain in life. And it depends on what narrative the person who is controlling the narrative wants to tell. And that will, will, will portray you, especially to people who don't know you, as either a villain or a victim, as a hero or a zero. It will, you know, uh, and everyone is the hero of their own story. Hello. Come on. If you get to tell your story, you're the hero. Right? Come on. We may share a few complimentary details, but normally we come out like the hero. Oh, this is good stuff. It's life. Imagine what other servants might have said about Ruth. Imagine what somebody who saw her sneaking to his blanket in the middle of the night said about her and him getting married. She could have been portrayed as a villain and him as a victim. Right? Yeah. Or they could have been portrayed as the victim. I didn't get to marry him. He was looking at me yesterday. <laughs> no. Or now she was a servant, a maidservant, and now she is the queen. Now she owns everything. We know how she got that. Oh, come on now. This is real. And it does not make a bad woman out of Ruth because somebody shares a villainous narrative about her. We need to watch whether we are creating villains, victims, you know, zeros, and always portraying ourselves as heroes or victims. Once somebody is seen as a victim, they can do anything they want to. They're a victim. Hello? Depends on who's telling the narrative, who the victim is. Ruth gave a lot. Ruth lost a lot. And Ruth gained a lot. You know, Ruth gained a new and fruitful life. She married one of the wealthiest men in Israel. And she had children and, and peace in her home and joy in her heart and in her family. She became the grandmother of, king, of, of, of the greatest king of Israel. And Solomon, the wisest man ever to live. This is his grandmother. And also, you know, Jesus, uh, grandmother. This would not have happened without her having that soft and gentle spirit. Listen, uh, by the account of her husband, before he was her husband, Ruth was a virtuous woman, not only by his account, but he said that she was an example to all of the other women in the town. Everyone in town knew she was a good woman. Somebody might have could have told a bad story on her, but you go ask everybody in town, she was a virtuous woman, according to Boaz. She was submissive to her authority. 
She moved Boaz without words by her pure and reverent life. She displayed a gentle and quiet spirit. She made herself beautiful and attractive by pleasing God. And she accepted her husband's authority in her life. And she did what was right without, making it, without it making her afraid of what he was going to do. She trusted God. Uh, and, you know, uh, she trusted others. God placed in her life. She trusted her mother-in-law. You know, interesting, huh? Well, did you get anything out of that tonight? Ruth, good woman. Thanks again for joining us for another dynamic message from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.